Welcome to Dottie's House. I'm Arvia Few, the founder of Dottie, and welcome to our first podcast. So what is Dottie? Dottie is a community created for young Black men and women to connect socially and romantically. We are changing the conversation around dating, marriage, and intentionality. We're doing live events, we're matchmaking, and we're changing the conversation online. And that's why we're doing this podcast. There's so much to share and so many people I can't wait for you to meet in upcoming episodes. Today, we're starting with Lisa and Mark Tatum, a true power couple, a couple that shows what is possible when you approach dating from an authentic, open, and intentional mindset that two are better than one. Mark is the deputy commissioner and chief operating officer of the NBA. Lisa is the founder and CEO of Landit. They wouldn't be where they are today if it wasn't for each other. You're going to hear how they got from point A to point B and how you too can get from point A to point B because they truly break it down. Pay attention to what was important to each of them and what characteristics stood out when they decided to create a future together. Spoiler alert. It's all about the values. It's not how you start. It's all about how you finish. Grab a pen and a paper. You're going to want to take lots of notes. Enjoy the chat. And thank you for joining. We are interviewing some dear, dear friends of mine. I am thrilled that they are taking time to speak to us. We're talking to Mark and Lisa Tatum. They've been married for, is it 26 years or 27 years? Be 28 this year, What? How is that? You guys got married a year before me or two years? 1995. Okay. And I was 96. Okay. Yeah. We're coming up on 27 and you're coming up on 28. So I have known Mark and Lisa for a very long time. So they're going to talk to us today about their marriage, about partnership, how they found each other, what's been valuable to them in their marriage, um, what they'd like to share with you. So let's get started. You guys ready? Oh, yeah. We're ready. I'm nervous now, Arvia, but yeah. Don't be nervous. So Mark and I used to work together at Procter & Gamble, and we used to have so much fun. We were young. We were in our 20s. And I will never forget, Mark came to work. It was a Monday morning and said, I met my wife. I was like, what? I'm confused. He was like, I met my wife this weekend. I was like, okay, whatever you say, Mark. Um, and here they are, Mark and Lisa are together. So Mark, let's start with you. You went to Cornell, you both went to Cornell. You obviously had many of wonderful dating experiences. Lisa, no, I'm didn't. sure you had no, the same. Didn't. <laughs> no, we did. Yes, there, you did. There, there was no one, there was no one before Lisa. No one. Okay. Okay, Kappa. That's the story <laughs> that we're sticking with. Oh, I must say that Mark is a member of Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity, but <laughs> yo, baby, yo. I hear you. Um, So we got that red and white in the house, people. So Mark, tell us, tell all of us, um, when you met Lisa, what was it about her? How did you know that she was the one or what made you think she was possibly the one? Well, so when I first met Lisa and then when I, (laughs) which I'll tell that story, um, but then our first date. Uh, I saw you after that first date. And after that first date, I knew she was the one. And actually, before I told you on Monday morning, I went home on Sunday morning and told my mom that I found the woman I was going to marry. So the the first time that we met was actually at Cornell University. We had both graduated. 
We both went to work for Procter and Gamble. Um, we both got sent back to Cornell to recruit on campus, and we shared the PNG table. We were the first two to get to the table, and that's when we first. High base. <laughs> we 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 didn't do too much hiring. No one was hired exactly that year because I was too focused on on her. Um, but then it took a little while for. Uh, her because she lived in Baltimore at the time so um, she wasn't coming up until actually New Year's Eve and uh, we ended up going out on New Year's Eve and it was after that that I just knew after that dinner I mean there was just this connection um, that and she was different than anyone else I'd ever met or been on a date with and I just knew then that she was the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I love that. Now let's get into this though. She was different. There's a lot of different girls, women. What do you mean by different, Mark? No, really. What was it about Lisa? You're talking to our young people and I want you to communicate in a way that would help our young men and women kind of understand what differentiated Lisa when they're looking for their happily ever after. Absolutely. So clearly, she was beautiful, right? She had the, she had the full package and she was beautiful. So, um, but I think what made her so different is her confidence. She was inspiring, like to hear her talk. Um, I just really, really had never met a woman who had been so focused and knew where she was going. And I just felt like I need to go where she's going. Uh, because she was, like I said, inspiring to me. And I walked away feeling like I've never felt this way before. And, you know, I, and, and I just I just remember that feeling of saying, wow, she's she's really special and she's inspiring me. And I want to be around that. Oh, that's 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 I love to hear that word. So she was inspiring to you. So you knew you were going to be around someone who wasn't just special and beautiful, but she was going to make you better. She was going to inspire you to help you reach your career goals and dreams. And I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And she was, she was so confident, right? Confident in herself, confident in her abilities, confident in where she was going. Um, And and again, that was very motivational and in a lot of ways, and, and it's played out over 28 going on, you know, 30 years we were dating before we got married, obviously, but just in how she pushes me, how she gets me to think bigger uh, and imagine the possibilities. So I somehow was able to glean that in that very first interaction with her and said, this is special and this is something I want to be a part of for the rest of my life. I love that. I want to touch more on that. And I don't know, Lisa, if you want to chime in at this point, but Mark, this is a question to you, but Lisa, you need to chime in on this. Absolutely. I think what's wait before you chime in, I think what is very special about what Mark is saying is you were inspiring. You weren't intimidating. You were not making him feel less than you made sure that he felt like he had room at the table. Yes, you were confident. Yes, you were successful, but you were also Mark knew that there was space for him. And I think right now what a lot of women are feeling is that and men, maybe they're intimidated by the confidence. So Mark, maybe you speak to that. Lisa, you speak to how you were towards Mark and why you think he wasn't intimidated by you because 
were men intimidated by you in the past? Like I, this whole intimidation piece mm-hmm. and confidence piece has me kind of, it's, it's hard because I'm a very confident person. My husband was obviously attracted to it, but it seems like right now that's a struggle in our community. So can you both speak to that? Sure. Well, I will say there's so many reasons why I fell in love with this man, but I knew in that first meeting, I remember saying, this is going to be my best friend. Now forget all the other stuff. He sure is a darn cutie, but (laughs) I knew then because, you know, the whole confidence thing, you can be no one but yourself. And so if you try and be with someone where you can't be yourself, it's not going to be sustainable. And it was just natural. People talk about when you experience flow, I experience flow. We laugh. We still, to this day, as you can tell, we laugh. Um, Somehow we got right to the root of the matter. So there weren't a lot of errors. And uh, I I used to say he has a Santa Claus smile. You know, Mark is the warmest person on the planet. When he throws his head back, you get that little twinkle, that little devilishness in his eye. And I was like, God dang it, I can't resist it. But he was just warm and funny and engaging and authentic. And I was like, man, this guy is amazing. Like literally. And I just felt like I could just be myself. And I think that was really the the core of it. So yeah, he was a cutie, but I also saw something in him that said, God, I want to be attached to this dude. Now I, I have to tell you, RV, I, I never said I wasn't intimidated. I, I was, I was a little intimidated. I, right. I, I want you to peel that back because I yeah. think a lot of our men struggle with that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely was a little intimidated mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and um, and I was frugal. Let's just say that because I grew up. It's a good word. I, I, yeah. I didn't grow up with a lot. Right. So I was I was frugal. And um, and here she was just dressed to the nines and had on fancy clothes and jewelry and stuff like that. And I was like, wow. Um, but 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 that so I definitely felt a little bit intimidated. But she it was okay like she didn't she said she didn't look or or you may have said she didn't look down on me because I was from Brooklyn New York and I wasn't well I'm from Newark New Jersey too so we have a little competition going on (laughs) exactly exactly but you know I wasn't I wasn't let me say this I wasn't as refined as she was at that point you know and I just hadn't had the the world experiences that she had I mean Lisa lived in other places around the world growing up and she had exposure to lots of different people and places uh and and I didn't you know at that point I had never been to Europe um you know and, and never been to other places she lived there right so so for me I was a little intimidated by that um but there was something about her that let me just be myself and 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 I and again and I and I I definitely had to be like, hey, you know, I'm a little bit worried here about, but but I knew, but I was going to take that chance. I wasn't going to let yes. let the intimidation get to the point where I was going to say, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to try to pursue this. I had, to, I had to give it my shot, give it my best shot. Okay. That is beautiful. And I think there's some other takeaways here. Lisa, you were open-minded. Mark did not come from the same world that you came from. Mark was, you know, he's trying to claim he was rough around the edges. I worked with Mark. He wasn't rough, no, around, he's the not rough around the edges. He had an edge on him though. He had that cap of edge on him. But but I'm just saying, you know, he he I love the fact that he had not been to Europe. He had not. I I didn't even I I now it's all coming back to me, but 
that you saw, you weren't trying, we're trying to help people understand, we're talking about building together. And, and we're going to talk more about that because you guys have clearly built together. But what you guys saw in each other, Mark, you saw someone who inspired you. Lisa, you saw someone who could be your best friend. And I think that combination in terms of you guys knowing you guys could work and what you guys could do together would be powerful and amazing is the key to why you're going on almost 28 years and you have the careers that you have today. You've got amazing children too at Harvard. Um, You guys both went to Harvard Business School. We're going to get into that because that's a funny story. Um, But I think that's the key. The key is you weren't looking for ready-made. These days, these kids are looking at like the number of Instagram followers and all these things. And you saw Lisa, there's lots of pretty faces. I mean, these guys are getting really overwhelmed because of social media, which we fortunately did not have with a lot of pretty faces and a lot of direct messaging and social media and online online dating. It's it's just very confusing. And you were able to cut through it all out of all the women that you had met. And Lisa, you were able to cut through it all and know Mark is special. And we know he's special because look where he is today. Look where you are today. Lisa, you've got a business that you've been running that you founded. Um, before that, you had an amazing career in finance, venture capital. Liz, I'm right. Yeah. And then yeah. Mark, I want you to tell your story. So, but you know, Arvia, I would say, I think the way or the reason we relate it is because we were actually more similar than you would imagine. Right. So Mark born, you know, in the middle of a war came to Brooklyn. I might as well have been born in a war in the middle of the riots in North New Jersey uh, to a single mom. So we were both hungry, right? We were both hungry. We both wanted more. Um, You know, we didn't come from quote the storybook perfect family. And so I think we had an understanding and a connection of what it meant to start from humble beginnings, but want to build on everything that our parents had poured into us and do even more. And so even though we started at different places, we had that commonality where we didn't have to explain that, right? And we didn't have to explain it away. We were who we were. And I think we accepted everything about each other. And I just remember saying, man, whether it's I'm having a good day or a bad day, whatever, it was just me. And he accepted just me and vice versa. So we weren't that far apart, even though I don't have the Brooklyn accent, but we understood what it was to struggle. We understood what it was like not to have, but we also benefited from having the most amazing parents who wanted more from us, right? Who poured a lot into us. And I think it was that common foundation that also, I think, created the space for us. We didn't have any heirs because we didn't come from having heirs, right? That, right. That's not who we were. Mm-hmm. Well, that's beautiful. And, and so again, we're getting down to values. And you all were able to get down to the bottom of that, the values. I don't know if it was at the Procter and Gamble table or at the first date at the Cornell Club for New Year's Eve, but the <laughs> values you got down to, which are very important. And I think that's a, another lesson. It's like as quickly as you can, when you're meeting someone, really try to get down to the values, the meat of the issue, and and really try to be authentic and let your hair down and see if this is the person for you or not, when you can talk about things like family, background, how you were raised, those are the things that really matter because those are the things that sustain you. And there are things about you that you really can't change your value system. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about your career path and your partnership. So I think that's interesting. I remember, Mark, you were at Clorox, I think. Mm -hmm. Lisa, you were still at P&G. You know, we were married. No, were we both married or we were dating? No, we were dating before you went to Harvard. Yes. Yeah, okay, we, well, so, we, got, we got married when we applied to the business school, right? In mm-hmm. 1995, we applied later that year. Oh, that's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. But you initially were not going to apply. I wasn't. I mean, I, I had always yeah. hoped to go back to business school, but yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, Lisa. So let me, let, me, let me help our <laughs> audience understand what we're talking about. So <laughs> me and my husband, Jason, and Mark and Lisa... Mark and I had been working at Procter and Gamble. Uh, Lisa and Jason were out of town. They were we were dating long distance, and so we would always have these fun dinners. Like the four of us would go to dinner. Remember, we loved the Chart House. That was always oh, yeah. like the biggest splurge. <laughs> you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but the Chart House was like a splurge. And so we'd go to the Chart House in New Jersey, and we we were really always planning. We just our hopes and dreams. We were planning our lives together like what we wanted to accomplish and where we wanted to be and our children. I mean, we literally, what this would be our dinner conversation. It was always our hopes and dreams um, before we got married. But Lisa always knew she wanted to go to business school. Always knew. And, and Mark, you were, you were not really, you were like, I will support you, but you were not. <laughs> and I think, I, I, I think I want to get into this whole, what made you decide to go to Harvard business school with Lisa and apply? And then what happened once you got there relative to your experiences and how the partnership played a role, the two of you being together in that space played a role? Yeah. So I, I like, I like the idea of going to business school. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the idea of applying and actually writing the essays and all that. Um, the reason I, I wanted to go back to business school is because at that point I decided that I wanted to get into sports marketing you know, I'd done the Procter and Gamble. I went on to the Clorox company, and so I had all this great consumer packaged goods experience. But I wanted to get into sports, mm-hmm. and going back to business school was the best way to build a network of people in the business of sports. And so, again, I like the idea, but what really motivated me is Lisa, as you said, she was going back to business school. She wanted to become a venture capitalist. And I didn't have a choice. My only chance to have a chance to be one of the 0.01% of women and women of color and BC was to go back to business school. So when I applied and I got in early, because of course I had a plan, then you know I remember having a conversation. I was like, well, Mark, what did you always want to do? I mean, he was really successful uh, at P&G and Clorox. But I'm like, but what did you dream that you could or that you wanted to be, well, then let's go do that. And so we like to say, you know, we're part of each other's risk-taking squad. Like you have to surround yourself with someone who's all in on you. And we're like, you know what? We didn't have jobs. We were living like we had jobs. It's like, we're going to go back in pursuit of our dreams. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, where it helped. I got to apply twice because I got to help him with his application. <laughs> <laughs> well, see what again. I'm talking about partnership. Do you Absolutely. see what I'm talking about? So she applied first round and got in, you know, to Harvard and Cal Berkeley and Wharton and all that. Um, and then I was like, okay, I better apply. So I applied third round. I applied the only same school day I, FedEx. Same day FedEx. The only I finished oh my, my goodness. I finished my applications on the day that it was due Monday morning. 
and paid FedEx, some guy from FedEx, $150 to come to the apartment, pick up the application, <laughs> get on a plane and drop it off in Boston that same day. You're kidding. I, I swear to you. I swear to you. My, my application might have been the last one to get in uh, <laughs> that day. And uh, and then I was accepted. So uh, very, very fortunate to have been accepted. And, yep. and, and do you hear grit people, party people? If you don't hear anything else in this marriage, we're talking about grit. Mark had FedEx come and pick it up. Lisa had already finished her applications and then she's doing Mark's applications or helping him complete his applications, assisting. assisting. But we're we're just talking about partnership here. I think it's so beautiful. I, I just think it's really beautiful. The other thing that you said, Lisa and Mark, which I think is really important is that you asked him, what is it you've always wanted to do? What is it? Yes, you're successful at in sales at Procter & Gamble and Clorox, but Mark, what is it? What's your dream? And, and you presented that to him. And then Mark said, I've always wanted to go into sports. And Mark, would you have taken that risk to go into sports if you were not married to Lisa? Probably not. Probably not. As Lisa said, I was doing really well at Proctor. I was the youngest region sales manager at Clorox. My next step at Clorox was to go to the Bay Area and become, you know, go into headquarters and take on a bigger job. So you know, my, the answer is probably not. If she had not said, look, I'm going back to business school because I, I want to pursue this dream. What do you want to do? Why don't you go do this with me? That was part of that inspiration that we talked about that I needed in order to pursue that. So there's no doubt that um, that, that and, and being married to Lisa is the reason I went back to business school. It's the reason I got into business school um, and the reason I'm doing what I'm doing today. People, do you hear what I'm talking about? We're not talking about ready-made. We're talking about building together. Just beautiful hearing how you guys built together and how it all started when you met, but then the whole Harvard Business School was a whole piece of building together and supporting each other. When you have someone to share your life with, you have a better chance of a happier life. And what we want to do at Dottie is make it so that everyone has this opportunity to level the playing field so that we're not just focused on our careers and our education, but that we're also taking partnership and marriage very seriously and maybe very strategically as you all did, because you all were obviously very strategic. Did you both know you wanted to get married at some point? Was that part of your hopes and dreams before you met each other? Yeah. Once I met him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, same, same here. Same. I, again, once I, after that first date, I knew I wanted to marry. But you guys were young. How old were you we when you met? 22. Yeah. Yeah. I got, we got married. I was 25, I think when I got married. You were? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys were young, yeah. uh, which is great. And, and it all plays into the whole building together. And then let's pivot back to Harvard Business School. Don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But again, I want to focus on the support piece. I found this fascinating. So you guys go off together to Harvard Business School, have a lot of fun. I remember coming up there and visiting you guys. And we had some friends in common from Howard that were there. And then I find out Mark is president of the class. <laughs> I, was I was president of my section and president of the Student Association. And again, with a lot of help from Lisa, she helped you know, rally support for me and um, the fact that she had her own section. Uh, and, you know, that that gave me a little bit of, I think, a competitive advantage because she had her section 
voting for me and my section. And, um, and I she, love it. She was my campaign manager. I she love it. Campaign the, manager. The 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 dude who had FedEx come pick up his application, <laughs> so it could get in that Monday morning, whatever the deadline was, ended yeah. up being president. So don't hate the player, hate the game. It's not how you start, it's how you finish, party people. I want y'all to know. And of course, hey. Lisa, Lisa, Lisa was the was the president <laughs> of the Venture Capital Association, Student Association, and uh, the co-president of ASU there. So we- What's uh, ASU? Yeah. African-American Student Union, so. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm. Amazing. That's right. Let's go. Um, you guys are, I, I just love this. This is such a beautiful story. Okay. Now I want to get into even more juicier details. Uh -oh. <laughs> so then it's time for you guys to graduate and you guys, Lisa, again, you always knew what you wanted to do. You went on your path. You were very successful. You were hired by a venture cap venture capital firm and you went off to do that. Or you knew you were going to do that. Mark, you wanted to do sports. And that, I remember you talking to me about that and you were like, I think I want to do sports. I was like, okay, whatever that means. I, I just, there's just, we don't talk about careers in sports. It's not something that comes up often. Um, we, we love to watch them. We don't know how any of this works. Here you are now as the deputy commissioner of the NBA and chief operating officer. How did this come about? I can't imagine the, I know the road wasn't easy and I don't think you would have been able to take this risk if it wasn't for Lisa, but you tell me. Yeah, I think. I think a lot of it had to do with being in the right place at the right time, having a partner like Lisa, who really helped me think strategically through it. So uh, between my first and second year of business school, I interned at Pepsi in their sports marketing group. I met the president of Major League Baseball Properties because Major League, Pepsi was a sponsor of Major League Baseball. Um, I did a field study project for him for ac academic credit in my second year. And before I graduated, he made me an offer to come work for him at Major League Baseball. So that was my first job awesome. in sports after business school working for Major League Baseball. And, you know, and, and I, I remember that decision, too, where Lisa had an offer to go into this program, the Kaufman Fellows Program, to work for a venture capital firm in Princeton. And, you know, we, we had a lot of conversations about that because VC... At that time, this was in the late 90s, you know, Silicon Valley was the hub of venture capitalists, venture capitalism. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and why don't you tell the story? You were con contemplating investment banks as well. But, you know, that was a decision that we had to figure out, OK, do we go West Coast? Do we go to, you know, East Coast in New York? And, and that was part that was one of those critical decisions that we had to make as a couple yeah. back then. And I think we've had several of those. And I think maybe that's why it's worked. I'm not saying it's easy, but that's why it's worked because no one had priority over the other person. And so every time something came up, whether it was, were we going to move to New York? Were we going to go out West? Uh, what job was he going to take that met most of his versus what I was going to take? But we always started with, what's best for our family. And then sometimes he would take a leap forward. Sometimes I would take a leap forward, but there was always a discussion about it. Uh, that's how we got to Princeton. It was, okay, well, both of us shouldn't commute, right? <laughs> we have to make it so that, you know, we both could do what we wanted to do in a way that preserved the investment that we had in each other. Mm -hmm. And whether that was business school, whether that was what happened after business school, whether it was when he went to the MBA, when I, you know, ended up, starting the company, those are major life decisions 
but you can have a rubric where someone is more important than the other, mm-hmm. right? It has to come from a conversation of the partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I, if, for example, if I, you know, I applied third round, so Lisa was already in was out. Harvard Business School, right? <laughs> so one of the things that we talked about is if I didn't get in, what were we going to do? And I'd already thought through, okay, well, I'll just do my job out of Boston. Because at the time I was a region sales manager and my job was based in New Jersey, New York, New Jersey, but my region included New England. So I was going to go to my boss and say, hey, my wife is in business school in Boston. Can I do my job out of Boston? Right. So that would have been so we, we even talked through all of that and started started laying out what happens if you don't get in. What does that mean for us and how do we make that work? I'm again, strategic partnership planning, having a backup plan. What if it's all of these, actually their executive functioning skills, their leadership skills are all these things. Are there any books or anything you guys, you, that you guys would recommend? I, I know this was not a question that I asked you guys, but just hearing you talk now, you guys just were, have been so strategic and thoughtful in your, not only in your careers, but in your marriage, is there any book or any person that's inspired you other than your family and your, and your parents to help you kind of make these decisions? Cause I'm, I'm in awe, honestly, I'm just sitting back uh-huh. going, look at my friends killing the game. <laughs> that's how we do it. <laughs> I don't know if there's a book, but we always had a plan. So every year we would sit down and say, okay, not only what are our goals for this year, but where do we want to be in five years without any limitation? And to this day, we do it. We make our poor kids do it since they were like three. So we we do it. We write it down. And then we always go back and look at it. And it is amazing that almost everything we wrote down, we've achieved because it's almost like you have to speak it into reality. You have to align on it. And then your actions kind of align with that. So we've been dedicated to that as long as I can remember. And I keep them all in a time capsule. The, the, kid, oh, the, kids, would say, the kids would say you, you manifested it. Exactly. Well, you you know what? I think about, I I honestly think about when we would have dinners, the four of us, and we would talk about our hopes and dreams and we literally manifested our lives. Yeah. Yeah. We manifested them. And, and you guys, Lisa, you were really on, I would say out of the four of us, well, you and Jason, you and Jason were like (laughs) on a different path, but, but you guys really manifested and talked about it. They claimed it. And, and I think that that is so important, Lisa, the five-year plan that you're talking about. So I want to get down to this. You do this every year, every five years. How does that work? Every year. Every year you do a five-year plan. Mm-hmm. We look at the immediate year and then five years out. Mm-hmm. And do you do it in January or when do you do it? Uh, New Year's when we're like pigging out on something. We do it every year. And again, love like our boys do it as well. Yeah, I think goal setting, Arby, it's, so it's 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 really critical is what do you want to try to achieve for that year? We do every year. Lisa has us reflecting on the past year, too, and, and doing things like what's your uh, most favorite accomplishment? What's the thing that you're most proud of? What do you do to help other people? So it's not yeah. just career only. It's the 360 of who you are as a person. And how do you show up bigger than just your life, but the impact that you're having on others? And then it's what do you want to learn? What do you want to try? What do you want to experience? What do you want to leave behind? So it's looking at everything, not just I want to do X, Y, and Z in my particular job. 
And there's mm-hmm. plenty of that, but it's also the other things that are equally important. Mm-hmm. And, and then Arvi, you know, on your earlier question, I'd say we get inspiration from our friends, right? It, like you said, mm-hmm. we, the four of us with Jason uh, have been having these conversations for 30 years and you guys share the same values that we do. And mm-hmm. that's inspiring to us. And we've got friends like Harold and Rosie and Byron and Janice and Rick and Melody, right? That that we just spend a lot of time with and have been together for a long time. And we're able to discuss uh, how they think about their relationships and what they go through and what we go through. So I think that strong support of friends who share the same values as you do is also very, very critical. And our kids, Ty and Kylan, they're phenomenal. And seeing the world through their eyes and what they're trying to do and being a part of that. I mean, sometimes I am in awe of who they are. And I'm like, wait, did did they come from? (laughs) These are kids. They're extraordinary. And so they inspire me quite a bit, but we keep our tribe very tight. Mm -hmm. We have a very, very tight tribe of folks like you all that have been with us you know, from the very beginning, everybody needs their tribe. Mm -hmm. I want to get into that because I know you guys talk about your tribe and you talk about what is it? There was something we were talking about the other day, Lisa. I don't, I can't remember what you call it. Board of advisors. No, something that you guys do. It's like your not, it's not your tribe, but it's something that you guys, how you guys hold each other accountable or you push each other. And it's all the risk taking squad. Right, right. The risk, but before we get into that, hold that thought, the risk-taking squad, I do want to make note of what you guys said about your support system. And I do think it's really important that we share with our audience that you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. We've all heard that before, but what Jason and I have been, have enjoyed and Mark and Lisa have enjoyed being married for so long is being around other married couples that share similar values. Although we may not be the same, we learn and grow from each other. And as you guys are dating, as talking to the audience, as you guys are dating and building your relationships and even your friendships, you want to be thoughtful about those friendships and the people that you surround yourself with, because you will become the average of those people. Would you Mm -hmm. not say? 100%. Yeah. Be careful who who you're hanging out with. <laughs> Be careful. Yep. Exactly. Choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends. Exactly. Wisely. Exactly. Lisa, the risk taking squad that you talked about. What what is that all about? Tell me what that is. Is that your family group chat or is that you and Mark's group chat? What what is that? So it's a term that I've given to Mark, but also to uh, our family members and our close tribe, because as you think about it, we all have those doubts whenever you hit those kind of critical career inflection points or life inflection points. And as you progress, you feel like you have more on the line. So you're less willing to take a risk or to step out of your comfort zone. And if you don't have someone who's in your corner, who sees something in you that says, you know what, it's okay to take that risk. And if you happen to stumble, or if you happen to temporarily fail, I'm going to help you not only be able to bounce back, but bounce forward. And so when you think about someone who is all in on you for you in your corner, they're encouraging you to take those risks so that you can reach your full potential as opposed to anchoring you down or feeding you doubts, things of that sort. You have to surround yourself with people who are all in on you, your happiness and your success. And when that's your partner, uh, the world really is, you know, it's limitless. 
versus someone who's doubting or a naysayer or coming from uh, a position that's not in your best interest. So that risk-taking squad, whether it's you know your partner, in our case, also my kids, um, my kids are some of our biggest cheerleaders who are like, go do it, or yay, mom, or Ty's like, yeah, parents, and Ty, <laughs> and Kyla's like, do it, mom, you know, whatever it may be. I love it. Or our parents, right? Our parents are our biggest supporters. You have to have that. The world is not kind and no, it's not easy. And people only see the end result. They don't see the sacrifice. They don't see the pain. They don't see the struggle. They don't see the doubt. And so you have to have someone who's there where you can lay it all out and then be able to move forward. I love it. Mark, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I mean, there's not a major decision I've made in my life over the last 30 years, whether it was at work or personally that Lisa has not been uh, you know, a, a big, big part of, right? And as Lisa said, you need that person who is going to be honest with you, that's going to be direct with you, that's going to tell you your outfit is whack, you can't wear that, you need to change it, right? Um, <laughs> because who else, who else, who else will do that, right? Who's gonna, who and who's doing it because they want you to be your best. They don't want you to be in a position where, you know, others are criticizing you, they're looking out for you. And so, you know, you you appreciate having that partner in your life that is honest and direct with you, but that will also push you to say, you can do this when everyone else is doubting you to say, no, I know you and you can do this and you will do this, right? So okay, that's what I'm talking about. I know you and you can do this and you will do this. Do you hear this, fellas? Mark said, Deputy Commissioner of the NBA said, he said, you will do this. I know you, you can do this is what Lisa told him. So when you're thinking about that wife, when you're thinking about that person, when you're thinking about someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with, be thinking about those kinds of things. You know, you guys are very fortunate, very blessed. Yeah. You want somebody who is going to push you, who is going to, again, not appease you and say, oh, everything you do is great because we all know that that's not true, right? You want someone who's going to give you that constructive feedback to to make you better. So true. So true. I can't imagine even this business, you know, when I went to Jason and said, Jason, I think I want to be a certified matchmaker and, and change the game with what's happening in the black community around love and marriage. He asked me a few questions and he was like, go for it. I don't know if I would have done it without him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. You need you that. Yeah. You need that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I got, I've got, okay. I know we've got to go. Time is rushing, but this is just so good and juicy. It's just so good. The information, <laughs> oh, really you're sharing so much good information with our audience and, and, and it's really helpful. Mark and Lisa, what advice would you give to young, maybe Lisa, you give it to one young women and Mark, you would give it to young men. Um, as they're navigating this very uh, different world of dating because of social media, which has made it very complicated and the world of online dating and just the awkwardness since COVID happened. There's just a lot. I mean, meeting in real life uh, is not normal anymore. That's more of, oh, we met in real life. That's like, wow, that's amazing. The majority of people that you talk to, your kids are still in college, but as they get older, you'll see the world becomes much, I guess, larger. And so it's almost like an international, an international mix of people via this telephone. 
Um, and it's very confusing. And I, I, I just would like to get your perspective on what advice would you give our young people on navigating uh, these waters? Whether you're a young woman, young man, gender non-binary, the formula is still the same. You want to be with someone where you can be yourself. Chill a little bit, right? Like there's an angst around. It's like, just chill out, right? It, it, it will happen when it is supposed to happen. Um, trust has to be there because at the end of the day, uh, relationships have ups and they have downs. And so what stays constant is, do you, do you trust whatever it is? I think that's really core and look for someone who's your friend, right? Love, it can be tough, but it shouldn't be painful, right? So you want to be with someone that you actually want to be friends with in addition to someone who you are in love with. And last, I would say is laugh a lot. We laugh probably too much. Our kids think we're so goofy. So, but but laugh a lot because life is hard sometimes. So you want someone that you want to be on that journey with. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay because I'm sure there are other people that didn't work out. But now look at us, 28 years later. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so what I, I you go, go ahead. ahead. I just want to say what I heard from Lisa. What's most important that I heard you say is chill out. So relax. And also I heard you say, trust, um, trust the system, trust the process, be open, be a little bit vulnerable. It's okay. Trust and, and, and see what happens. Is that, is that right? We'll roll with that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, th I think that's right. And you know, one of the things that hasn't come out until I'm bringing out now, it's well, I'm, I'm two years younger than her. Okay. And oh, she, yes. oh, well, look at the time. <laughs> no, no, I think that's important. I but think it is important, important because she had this thing in her mind about dating a younger man. And because I was going places, Arvia. Exactly. And, and Mark wasn't. I wasn't sure. <laughs> she wasn't sure. Okay. Exactly. All right. Only thing I can say is mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't she was i had to convince her that i was um but that's a know, true so, kappa so, man exactly but she she had to be open to that if she had said i'm not dating a younger man you know and, and and didn't give me a chance then we wouldn't be here today so i do think it is very important that you that that you 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 really evaluate the things that you say are must-haves um and decide if those are really must-have things in a relationship. I do believe that there's someone for everyone out there. I, there's no doubt 100%. about that, no matter who you are. Um, and and you will find that person. I think, as Lisa said, be be patient, right? Chill a little bit, be patient. Um, don't force it. Uh, eventually you will find the one that you were meant to be with. And, and then once you're in that relationship, I would say that there are a couple of keys. Uh, one is to listen. You don't always have to be right. You're, you're not always going to be right. Sometimes you have to acknowledge and admit when you're wrong, um, even after the fact. It's okay to say, you know what? I handled that the wrong way. I was wrong and you were right. Okay. And I think that's really, really important. So the, the open communication is yes. critical um, at all times. And, and I do agree that honesty, that trust, I think those are all things that are critical to establish upfront in relationships. Well, wow, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. This, is, this has really been, 
I, I've known you guys for a long time. So a lot of this I've known, but a lot of this is new to me. And just the way you guys articulate your thoughts, I'm just telling you, it's just beautiful. Okay. And I'm sure you're going to impact many, many lives and many, many relationships. What have you done during the tough times in your marriage? I think any relationship, whether it's your marriage, work, whatever it is, they're always rough patches. I think that's where the commitment comes in, uh, your willingness to work through it. And I think that's also where the trust comes in, right? Because when it when it is tough and when it's not so bright, you have to trust in the person and where they're coming from to say, you know what, we, we're going to find a way. We don't know what it is, but we're going to find a way to get to the other side um, because it's worth it because mm -hmm. it's worth it, mm -hmm. right? Anything worth having, you have to work at. So it's not, it's not passive. Relationships aren't passive. If you're passive, they will wither away. So you have to prioritize and you got to invest in it just like you do everything else. Mm -hmm. That's right. Relationships are work. You have to put in time into it. You have to invest time into it and uh, couldn't agree more. And I think that's where the communication is important, that trust is important. So uh, making sure that you are talking to each other about how you're feeling, um, why you're feeling the way that you're feeling, and then being focused on saying, look, I love you. I will always love you. How do we get through this period? How do we get through this time? Um, you have those conversations and you're going to have more better days and bad days. Beautiful. Thank you so much. We really are excited that we had this opportunity to speak with you guys. 28 years of beautiful marriage. I know that the four of us are probably going to be celebrating 30, 35, 40, 50. We're going to be on the vineyard in the summers, just living our best lives. Absolutely. With our prayerfully with grandkids running around. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> yes. 10 years from now, we want those. Blame it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Dottie's House. We'd love to know your thoughts about today's episode. Join the conversation on Instagram. Follow us at The Dottie Club. And if you're looking for your happily ever after, apply today at thedottieclub.com. Be sure to follow our podcast wherever you listen so you can join us for the next episode.